What's good with everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Gifted Who's Podcast. This is episode 27, and in today's episode, I'm talking with a passionate Pelicans fan and Chris, where we talk about everything Pelicans basketball. This was pre-recorded before the Trey Murphy meniscus injury. I just wanted to note that before we got into the conversation, but make sure to tap into this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube for the video version. Without further ado, let's get right to this episode. Appreciate all the support. I'm joined here today by Chris. He's a passionate Pelicans fan, and we're joined here for episode 27 to break down all things Pelicans basketball. Chris, how you doing, man? Good, man. Happy to be here, bro. I like what you're doing. To start this podcast, I really want to begin in the 2022 offseason after that Suns playoff run. Where were your thoughts on the team right there? Oh, man. I mean... You know, for those who don't know, man, that, that was an interesting time in total, man, because um, ending ending that season, you know, I think everybody felt like things were things were finally clicking, like things were finally connected um, because teams, you know, entering the David Griffin era, entering Zion Williamson, you mentioned Lonzo and company, Brandon Ingram, um, there were expectations about that team, right, about maybe, all right, you're trading, you're trading a... Um, you know, a future, a future champion and one of the best players in basketball at the time and still today in Anthony Davis. But most times when you make a trade of someone of that calendar, you do, of that caliber, you don't end up with a Zion Williamson, right? You don't end up with a future all-star, Brandon Ingram. And, you know, unfortunately, Lonzo is, you know, has, has been hurt, but um, his trajectory was starting to pick up, uh, you know, again, um, was doing some great things with Chicago, and, and even in, in his last couple of years with New Orleans, and you also got Josh Hart out the deal, as well as future draft picks that turned into things that you know we'll see how they play out. But um, we finally got got a chance to make a move for um, you know, an All Star talent in CJ McCollum, although he hasn't been um, selected to an All Star team yet. A veteran in the locker room. You, know, you, add, you added Larry Nance, who's been really good to me, but really good, really good to the city, and um, uh, and what the Pelicans want to do in a lot of small ball lineups and you know in the modern game. But yeah, man, I mean, the the team, the city, the community kind of connected, and I, I was you know fortunately a big part of that. And man, bro, going six games, and really at, at one point in time in that series, you know, we a lot of people watching the team thought they had a chance to win that series like it wasn't just you know the Devin Booker injury and so on and so forth but it felt like they had a chance to win that series unfortunately they didn't but going into the offseason we did so much without Zion Zion comes into camp healthy looking really good looking dominant looking the best that he's looked maybe ever at that time it really felt like this team had something special and um, to kind of build off of. And that was really where it was at, the excitement and the way to kind of, now the expectations are back, how do they build off of it? And that's where everybody was at, like this team could really make some noise. Yeah, I got to say, first off, big shout out to Chris, because again, when I when I tell you he's a Pelicans fan, that man is a Pelicans fan, his links and all that will be in the comments, so go tap in with that. I really got to highlight this Pelicans team tremendously, because first off, Ingram went through injury stuff and he had like a year where he was basically in charge of the team and he had to like you know carry on that load and the way that they made that run at the end of the year to get into the playoffs I mean Brandon Ingram was putting up triple doubles he was playing like at a super high level and the way that he put that team on his back to not only get into the playoffs 
but then how he excelled in the playoffs like for me personally right i questioned okay how consistent is his half court playmaking going to be in a playoffs when they have time to really you know send key guys at you and ingram's playmaking was spectacular i mean you're right like people came in saying this is a five game series or four games and the pelicans really show grit and you know stamina in terms of being prepared for the matchup without zion who many people believe is the best player on the pelicans so you saw the team rally behind uh, um ingram for sure but the new head coach willie green too like he really got guys to buy in as the season went on and even in that playoff series i just like the infrastructure of what was there because people want expectations to hit immediately like just win just win just win but sometimes you have to take those losses to understand what you have and build from there and to me last year at least that's what this pelicans team was and they found ways to win at the very end of the year without zion and coming into that playoff series again ingram was sensational in pretty much every game that was played so coming into 2023 i'm thinking okay zion cannot fit in perfectly here but the question now is okay what is the chemistry between zion and brandon ingram on the court in terms of how are they going to close out games because what they experimented a lot with is zion would have the ball in his hands he would basically run point zion because people can't guard him and you know as a player zion does not settle he, he's not taking the three to long two. He's taking the ball. He's getting to the uh, paint, and he's going to create opportunities for teammates there. To me, I said this coming in, my biggest X factor for the 2023 season was going to be Zion and Ingram playing off of each other to close out games, kind of similar to what the Bucks do with Giannis and Chris Middleton. Obviously, Ingram is a better scorer, I would say, than Chris, so things could work out there, but... What would you say about that combination headed into training camp? How did you feel about that? Well, I mean, unfortunately, it was kind of it was kind of unknown um, in a, in a lot of ways because you know you had a bunch of different parts that were important in that in that playoff run. I mean, you know, you gotta remember the team started off like one and eight, three and sixteen. It took a lot for them to even get to a point to where they were trading for CJ, right? Since CJ was the key in kind of all of this, like <laughs> while they was worried about Brandon. It was confusing because people had felt like I had heard it um, dating back to the, you know, the days of them, um, you know, with, with Stan Van Gundy. And even in that first year, like how how does that fit? And most of the most of the critique was put towards Brandon in regards to his ability to play off ball. And then on the Zion side, it was him being a non-shooter. How do those how do those guys fit together? And then it turned into, OK, well, you can't build chemistry. They're not on the floor, so it doesn't really matter. One guy likes to get, you know, Brandon, while um, percentage-wise, shoots well from three. He's not, he's still not a high-volume three-point shooter. We know he likes to get to his spots, which are, you know, you know, we're talking, you know, mid-range. Like, certain areas of the mid-range, post, he became a much better driver and getting to the cup towards the end of the 2023 season, which we'll talk about. But heading into that season, you know, you thought, all right, you saw the individual parts of what Zion could do, saw the individual parts of what Brandon can do. The last time we saw those two together when Stan Van Gundy played, they both individually played well, but they were still parked or parked around a team that lagged. Bonzo was still on the team the last time Zion had, had, had stepped on the floor. How would he kind of, um, how would he adapt without playing with someone who fit him well in that era? 
or in, in that area. But the roster got better. We got Herb Jones. We got the best shooter that, that, that he's had, had played with since Trey Murphy. I mean, I'm sorry, since J.J. Redick, you add Trey Murphy. Like, there was a lot of different – and then there, there, there's T.J. McCollum. So, I thought while Sion and Brandon had a lot of work at that time to still kind of work through, and it's been – it's been you know, you're going on the fifth year I mean, before we move past, but I thought that um, you'd be able to get away with the, the areas that those two have to kind of figure out when playing together by adding the different talents that you did coming into that season and the positive momentum that you had built some other role players, Jonas Valanciunas and Najee Marshall and Jose Alvarado, hell of a story, right? All of these things, I think, played a big role outside of Brandon and Zion. There's some fit worries there for a lot of people. You know, um, there's some chemistry worries. There's some, do they like each other? Do they, you know, do they, how often do, do they play together outside of the floor? One dude really, and Brandon, is always attached to a basketball floor. There's questions right. about how, how hard Zion works. Preparations towards getting things together. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it was kind of, you know, a lot of confusion there, but there was a lot of faith being given on Willie Green's involvement and what you were bringing in with CJ and Larry Nance and just the team being happy and finally being involved in playoff success. You know, like Zion would easily mesh in because that's what general ta generational talents typically do. Once the CJ trade happened, a new breath of life was really like, you know, imbued into that team and you saw them like again rally behind ingram cj and the head coach to a high level so i thought coming in now this roster can just continue to develop more continuity and the fact that they had to play so many games without zion showed you like the continuity and the resiliency of the pieces that you were bringing in last year i knew okay trey murphy this upcoming season could be a knockdown guy that can really be good for them um i absolutely loved the additions like nance to me being able to go small super athletic plays his role it doesn't ask me too much i feel like that was going to fit well but to me in terms of like the future of where this team lies to me that is solely dependent on the way brandon ingram and zion can operate on the floor together especially in a pick and roll type of situation like i focus on the bucks because i think the bucks give a solid enough blueprint i think zion is a devastating roller and people have to remember the last time zion played basketball with ingram he was one of the most efficient players in basketball he led the league in paint points like 60 percent not true shooting from the field raw that's what zion was doing so i'm 100 with you on that um i gotta start out with this though when the season started i'll never forget this i watched pelicans and the Nets. And seeing the way they ran that team out the gym where no one could be guarded. CJ is hitting shots. Zion is hitting shots. Brandon Ingram is hitting shots. That dominance that we saw in that first game, it really set the tone for what we thought this Pelicans team would be coming in. How did you feel after that first game was etched in the books? I mean, it matched everybody's wild expectations wildest dreams of what the team could look like like that was a performance that you thought you were going to see it you 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 thought it would take some time right brandon only played one preseason game like, that's what folks like forget he only had played one preseason game and i mean he missed he had missed some time during during training camp um you know battling i believe a toe and a thumb and there was some other things but 
He'd only played one preseason game. Zion, I believe, had played pretty much all of them. So, so you had kind of gotten a chance to get an idea, okay, Zion looked good. He, you know, he looked defensively. He was, he was there offensively. The ball was moving. It's just that game, man, that Brooklyn game was so dope because everybody kind of had a moment. They got off to a really great start. They were defending. Um, they were taking advantage of, of, of Brooklyn's lack of size. Jonas got involved early. Um, Zion, Zion had some moments. EJ had some moments. Trey Murphy came in off the bench. Everybody he played ate. well. Everybody that touched the floor pretty much. And then Brandon kind of, you know, second half kind of went to, went to work against, you know, his idol in a lot of cases. Uh, Kevin Durant and closed them out. A healthy Brooklyn team that had expectations of their own. You got Kyrie there. You got... You know, you know, you got uh, uh, KD, Ben Simmons. There was a lot of intrigue there on how that would look. There was some excitement about talking about him and how he would look and mesh with that team. And so many other different role players that were on that Brooklyn Nets team at the time. They look hella different now. But, I mean, to do that, and then not to do it at home, to go into Brooklyn and do it. You know, that mm-hmm. that was, yeah, I mean, it kind of, and really, really kind of set a statement. That was a statement when game one, it was like, man, you know, um, for a team that, all right, and one of the other things I didn't really mention is that downside of things was that, all right, well, what if, what if Herb Jones really overplayed his hand in year one, right? You know, what if um, the shooting doesn't get any better? What if um, you have to worry about that element? What if the rest of the team, the team shooting, shooting um, as a whole ends up coming into play? Everything just game one looked looked great. It matched everything that you wanted to see. They were fun. They were you know they were laughing. They were having a good time. They were sharing the basketball. It was the perfect picture. The the, the best thing you could hope for. I don't think anybody really could have imagined or guessed how they would open the you know open um, game one. Even if you thought that they would win, I don't think people thought they would win in that manner. Yeah, it was a absolutely dominant performance. And again, like I try to keep tabs on the Pelicans as much as possible because. Ever since Lonzo went to that team, I watched so many games that year and seeing the things that Zion on the floor was doing in that season. I mean, he doesn't get enough credit, obviously, like he's not healthy for a bunch of seasons. So that becomes the primary talk. But the game that he's been able to display, this roster just has to be able to like put those things together. And I'm bringing him up now because after this, right? You guys go pretty up and down. Guys are in and out, in and out. After Ingram gets injured with the toe, a lot of people, you know, breathe in and say, how good can this Pelicans team really be with no Ingram? And then the next thing you know, Zion is here. He's dominated at a super high clip. And the Pelicans are the number one seed in the Western Conference. And I'm talking about they're beating good teams. Like that Suns game where Zion at the end, makes the statement slam like you saw this team rallying behind them as a fan and as a person that covers this team more than anybody else what were your thoughts during that stretch man you know you know i try um as just in watching sports it's kind of like really a, a life thing for me like i'm never too high never too low like um so man i mean i I got to tell you, like, I mean, there were still questions. You knew that they were, in a lot of cases, they were playing above their heads. Um, but this was a team, man, that had went years without winning five in a row. Like, bad teams do that every now and then. Like, they, they it, it took, it was, it had been a while since they had even won five in a row. 
Now, I believe since, you know, the last time they had done it was the year before Anthony Davis's last year, the year with uh, the year what Boogie goes out. Um, so, like, even doing that, it was spectacular. And for Zion, man, it was like this. Zion was playing the best basketball of his life. You know what I'm saying? Like, and it, it was on both sides of the floor. He was defending. He was he was active. He was rebounding. Like, you know, you mentioned you mentioned the passing. He was doing everything that you could really ask for somebody. The energy was there, and it looked like his team. It was the complete opposite of the team that you had saw in the playoffs against um against Phoenix, where it looked like Brandon's team and CJ was doing his thing. I mean, they were living and dying with Brandon. No, this team now, they're winning, but it's Zion's team. Yep. Now, the elephant in the room was that is, okay, we're still stuck with the fact that you got to kind of see it together with Brandon. Like, you want to see the best. So, there's still, like, but the other side to that, it's kind of like the opposite of the playoff run. Like, man, okay, they're doing this without Brandon. What's it going to look like when he comes back? So, to be first, first in the West, again, another thing that hasn't happened in so long, even for a couple nights, a couple, couple games, there were so many spectacular Zion performances during that run. You got um, the Minnesota game where he takes over against against Ed Edwards. Had some great, some crazy plays down the stretch. Um, for Minnesota, who has some really good, really good defenders. We're talking about rim protection. We're talking about perimeter defenders. Had nothing for him. Moving McDaniel's out of the way, moving Ant out of the way, moving Cal Anderson out of the way, finishing over over Rudy Gobert. This, this was consistent. It was a Toronto game where he went nuts. And then there's Phoenix. The crazy thing about the Phoenix, people focus on the dunk. What people forget is that they played Phoenix on Friday. Then they played them on Sunday. Like, you know, this wasn't a situation where it was, it was a series, like, no. basically. Yeah, it was basically a series. This was a team that they had, you know, some type of animosity towards. Jose and Chris Paul has their thing. And they beat them in very kind of dominant dominant fashion on a Friday and then on a Sunday. And the thing about after the dunk on Friday, the dunk happens Friday, Brandon and Herb were, Herb Jones were out Friday's game. They were both supposed to come back that Sunday. Like, there was a lot of things that were happening around this uh, around this time that people may not know or don't remember, but it was a fun time. And you got to see... Najee Marshall played really well. Jose Alvarado had a 39-point game against um, against Denver. That was another game in which they won. Mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, so many dudes had moments during that stretch, and they looked like a really dominant team as long as Zion was healthy. You get the Philadelphia 76ers game during that stretch where CJ breaks a playoff. I mean, well, he breaks a team record for most threes in a, you know in a game for the Pelicans. Like, um, it was magical. Zion looked like, in my opinion, during that stretch, he was the best player in basketball. He was that good. Um, it didn't last long, but you know, for that period of time, man, it was really fun. The fans and everybody in the community was like, just it was like euphoria, man. I mean, everybody was really in love with what they were watching, and you got a chance to really see um, Zion tap into almost everything that you could possibly imagine as a player. He shot a couple threes. You got middies. You know, you got consistent performances and winning was coming out of it. It was a special moment. Um, it, you know, you're still at the back of your mind. It was still too, it was still earlier enough in the season to where, okay, now what does this look like when 14 gets back on the floor? But man, was it special.
Yeah, I, like that stretch was tremendous. And I think it was the best stretch of Zion, primarily because the winning came with it. But make no mistake about it, in terms of performance, like this is not some random blip. Zion, for the most part, is an efficient player every night when he steps on the floor. But the biggest thing you highlighted, which I love that you did this, because the one knock on Zion is that his defense from Duke hasn't tr like transferred completely to the NBA, but he was actually making strides in that department. He was getting blocks. He was uh, playing help side at points. He was being a bit more proactive on, on defense. He was playing the team structure for their defense a lot better and you saw it paying real dividends because once he get the rebound he's gone and now you're generating easier offense most elite teams use their defense to generate easy offense points because that's what it's all about getting the ball in the basket the easiest way you can and limiting the other team and zion was contributing very heavily to that but sadly that thing is always in the back of your head damn this is great right now but it seems like ingram and zion play their best basketball without each other. We still haven't seen a significant sample size where it's Ingram and Zion playing meaningful basketball games or in the playoffs, figuring out that continuity. Cause I always say this, like it feels like when Brandon Ingram plays with Zion sometimes, he's more passive, he's playmaking, he's not trying to do too much wrong or he's gonna take more shots. I vividly remember this game from last year. Um, it was versus, I believe, the Dallas Mavericks. Not from 23. I'm talking about 2022, where Zion only missed, like, one shot. And Ingram had, I believe, 25 shots. Like, the continuity and balance of, like, finding out how to play with each other, feeding whoever's hot, they still need more time to play together. So even during that stretch, while I thought this is great, man, they're really good, it's just like you said. How are these two guys going to play together? Because ultimately... That stretch is fine, but I know for a fact that you and other passionate fans are focused on winning a championship. Like that that continuity of these two star players coming together for that effort. So that question was absolutely there still, I would say. Yeah, yeah, man. I mean, um, there's actually a, a game that they played earlier of in um, last season in Atlanta that's Similar to this, where where the team is healthy, and Zion goes goes on a crazy run down a stretch. Zion was early in the season where people don't don't forget, don't remember before uh, Brandon goes goes down. He had a concussion early in the year, but but once he once he hurts his toe, the first time and is out for a period, um, or it might have been through the concussion. No, it wasn't toe. But once he once he gets the toe injury, before that, Zion had been trying to still find himself. He wasn't finishing yep. at the rim the same way um, that we were used to. But still, I mean, even Zion, 70% of him finding himself on the floor. Because you got to remember, I mean, we talked about a dude that hadn't played in over a year. So, and even playing in preseason, some of his rhythm, some of his timing, his leaps, his, you know, his, uh, his finishing through contact, it wasn't there. It was still giving, a, giving him the ball heavily in the post. And that's also part of the issue. Like, not only do... Are the results a little bit different when those guys are, are playing together versus separately? The way that they're used are different. You know what I mean? Um, and that's what comes into play because you saw there was an Atlanta game early in the year. Crazy finish, but Zion goes nuts in the fourth quarter. And Brandon, if I remember correctly, didn't have that great of a game. But the Pelicans have a chance to win the game before it goes into overtime. And Brandon has the ball in his hands. 
ball should have went to Zion. The play was called for Brandon, and I understand why. But that's a period where it's like, all right, this guy, he has it going. This is his night. Let's get him the basketball. It right. didn't happen. And I think that they have to, in some respects, during the most important parts of their tenures together, Brandon's been the one out there on the floor. Zion's been out. So I can see how Zion, I mean, how Brandon feels. Even on a night where he's, where he's not playing well, he's not shooting, I'm shooting the ball. But at some point, I think for them, and you hope that maybe after the way the last two seasons have ended, you hope that they can figure out exactly how to get past all of the other elements and some of the personality differences and some of the, um, I guess, overall overall selfishness that sometimes come in play versus we're what best, we're, we're, we are what's best for each other. One way or another. You're going to make my life easier and I'm going to make your life kind of easier. And last season, due to your, you know, you know, to what you were saying, they couldn't figure it out. Brandon was the one sometimes looking a little bit lost. Zion sometimes, sitting in a post, sitting in a corner, looked like kind of misused. So you got one dude that's looking misused and one guy that's not really knowing how to do it. Brandon was averaging about 20 points a game, spotting up. Very similar to some of his issues that he's having right now with Team USA. What do I do when I don't have the basketball in my hands? And for a team last year that didn't run a whole bunch of pick and roll, it, it you know, it was, it showed conflict sometimes on the floor. They're running into each other. The spots weren't completely there. Then you have Jonas Valanciunas. You don't have enough lineups that you can run five out with to give them the space to run what you want to run. It might bring out the best of them together while they're on the floor. It's tough, man, because those individual talents seem like they can work so well but it needs time. I think you need the right parts. And those two have to be connected. And not just winning and playing well with each other. Um, and I don't think we've had, we've had enough time um, to see that really play out. Yeah, that's the unfortunate part about the NBA too, by the way. Because it's like, we see these two guys have dominant stretches where we know that they can play. We saw Brennan Ingram in the playoffs perform and play at that level we saw zion routinely against every team best defense worst defense whoever it was tear them apart without shooting a perimeter jump shot because he's that lethal at the rim so mm -hmm. logically to me i'm thinking okay if you give ingram the ball you can run ingram zion two-man game zion will abuse mismatches that they put on him brendan ingram can hunt that long range shot and they can basically you know work off of each other in that way the problem though is it feels like a clash because i think zion is so good with the ball in his hands but so is ingram and ingram arguably creates more in terms of like three-point passes but zion is such a pressure at the basket those corner threes are going to be wide open anytime he crashes regardless, regardless right, yeah. right so finding a way to make that fit with the roster around them again great point you're making because Herb Jones, right? As good of a defender as he was last year and this year, the question is, are defenses ever going to really respect this three-point shooting? We saw Willie Green pull him multiple times because the offense sometimes couldn't really flow. And as good as Zion is, he's not really a spacer. And that's fine because he's such a, a dominant talent. He doesn't have to be. But how do you make up for that? How do you make up for having a roster that at times has offensive 
I would say mismatched where things don't fit all the way coherently. And sadly, Brandon Ingram's contract is also coming up. So like the time to like find out, can these guys play together is slightly running out. If you have to make a choice between, okay, we're gonna stay with Zion and build with him or trade Ingram or trade Zion, where are you at with this? Because I agree that it needs more time, but it seems like time might be running out. That's a really good point, man, because, you know, I think um, what's interesting is that there, there was a lot of there was a lot of chatter that I had heard that real about Scoop, um, about the Pelicans possibly being very interested in Scoop Henderson. And I, and I, I 100% believe that, that that's the, that that's the case. Um, I think, I don't know how serious it was in regards to Charlotte, to the Pelicans being willing to offer Brandon Ingram. I don't know how serious it, it was in regards to them offering Zion Williamson. I think that um, to a degree, there may have been a scare tactic, you know, maybe involved about, yo, like, you know, Zion, we need you to get things together. Um, and, you know, I mean, uh, I've heard different things about, about Brandon and, 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 and maybe some frustration that set in about games that he's missed. Um, over time, but overall, it comes down to the fact that these two guys just haven't played enough games together, and if they're not healthy, you know, eventually you got to break it up anyway. I mean, you know, the Clippers they have an interesting situation with with walking into a new arena soon, and with, with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. But you see it with them; they, you can make the playoffs consistently as you choose to, and be you know a team that someone's always talking about. But if your two guys can't can't play together and are always hurt. Once you get to the postseason, it's just not going to matter if you're missing one or they don't have enough time towards the end to get into a rhythm together. And, you know, if you're the Pelicans, man, you can't keep running that back and having it fail knowing that the odds are against you no matter what with these two dudes. So um, if I had to choose between the two men, it's tough because throughout, throughout everything that I've heard about, about Brandon, things that maybe everybody doesn't know about in regards to some frustrations that may have been throughout the organization or certain certain people that cover the team um with um some of the injuries that he's had um or maybe his style or, or even if it's a style style of play kind of thing you can't take away from the fact that the most success that he's had or that, or that the Pelicans have had since him and Zion have both been in New Orleans have come on the back of Brandon and even if that means that that's just simply, you know, making it to a playing game or that's making it to a playoff series, those are his those are his accomplishments. The only season that the team finished over 500, it's only a couple of games, come from Brandon Ingram. Hasn't come, it, it, it hasn't arrived yet for Zion. We've, we, we've seen flashes, but a lot of it's been incomplete. A lot of it is projection. Right. You know, a lot of it is bottled into a small window. Um, but, so financial side of it uh is that Brandon is up for an extension soon do you want to pay 200 you know 200 million for um a guy that you already have all right you have question marks about Zion's dedication and his ability as a professional his overall ability to stay healthy his maturity in some respects but you already gave him the bag you already made him a max player so so you got an extension up for Brandon to pay him 200 million dollars even if you believe that Brandon is the better, more mature human, the dude you want to invest in, you look to trade Zion, you're not going to get anywhere close to what his potential will tell you he's worth. 
So the diminished returns worth signing signing Brandon, who some even wonder if he, you know, I mean, the best I think Brandon, if you talk about a winning championship team, as much as I love Brandon Ingram's game, I think he's a hell of a passer. I think he's he's grown so much since he arrived in New Orleans. I think at best personality personality type and just the kind of selfless I think thing he can have in regards to watching others cook and give others the book the uh, the basketball even with the scoring ability. Yeah. I think he's a number two. Dude, I think he's a number two. I just think that's what he is. Best case scenario on a winning team, he, he's your second best player. And I don't think that that's bad. I don't think I don't think I think Chris Middleton is a perfect example of that. A better version of Chris Middleton is a perfect perfect example. Zion's a number one. Zion has to prepare, train, and, and really dive in like a number one and really invest into his body and do all the things he's talking about with LeBron James and you know so on and so forth. And continue to also you know, work on his game and add things and you know shoot shoot an occasional three to like find ways to give to 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 last and survive a full season, which I've heard he's been doing going into this upcoming year. So, but going into it, you haven't seen it. So if the team doesn't win, and you're already paying CJ McCollum $30 million, well, it, 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 it's it's a tough coin. I mean, the businessman of me would pick Zion Williamson and trade Brandon Ingram. That's the businessman. But the human in me say that Brandon's shown me more, and it's still about a couple days or a day away from 26 years old, Invest in my business into somebody who's shown me that they're willing to get the most out of themselves. And so it, it, it's 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 a really tough call. You know, life on the line. I'm probably picking Zion because the investment's already there, and his ceiling is the, probably the best basketball player in the league. And I just think you just gotta roll with that and hope that he gets all of the mental elements, health you know, requirements and all the other things that CJ McCullum has talked about together to fulfill your promise and his side of your, you know, of the bargain. I agree with everything you're saying. It's an extremely hard decision. And I say this because you got to think about it, right? Like, like you said, they've already committed to Zion Williamson. So at this point, it's not just about, do you want to pay Brandon or not? It's about, do you want to go forward with these two guys who have proven that, you know, at times their injuries keep them away from playing basketball together. Do you want to invest into both these guys to be the future of the franchise, especially with the new CBA that's going to be in place for teams that go over the cap significantly? Like there's going to be major penalties to these teams for doing so. So that actually, for me, puts a lot more pressure on this season right here coming up, especially in a West that's revamped. KD is now in the Western Conference. The West just keeps getting more and more loaded. The Wolves got better. Like, pretty much every other team found ways to improve and get better. And I struggle with where I think the Pelicans are going to be. Because, again, I think the Pelicans are good. Like, we always do this if healthy, if healthy, if healthy team with every team, every single team. We know that's not going to be the case, but it's hard to, you know, get uh, uh sorry say or gauge because we don't know who's gonna get hurt or not but obviously if we if we play this if healthy if healthy game with the pelicans we're talking about zion playing 55 plus games if zion alone plays 55 plus games based on what we know his caliber to be they're a playoff team it's not a question right so i'm looking at it like with the extension talks i think the right thing to do is to just wait and see what you have 
That's all you can do. Like, it's a hard spot no matter what you do. And I promise you right now, if the Pelicans trade Zion, imagine if, like, all the health stuff, all that stuff goes out the window and then he has his best years after the Pelicans. Yeah. I feel like after trading Anthony Davis away to trade another potential franchise superstar that can be that caliber of player i feel like that would haunt the franchise more than making it better so like i'm not too high on doing that just off of that strength because again you trade anthony davis yes but it was with all these assets and then zion and you still have so many draft picks like i guarantee you trading ingram would actually get you more value back to me because like you said he's a high level player he's young He's been healthier than Zion, and also he's been proven in the playoffs against the elite defense. We've seen that from Brandon. And it feels like Zion has many more years to go until he he fully matures both as a man, but also like from a health perspective. And I say this all the time, Chris, right? Let's think about this. Zion hasn't played a whole lot of games, right? Joel Embiid had a similar start to his career. A similar, like, very similar start. People were not sure about what Joel Embiid would be, and now he's an MVP of the league. Maybe that's in Zion's future, but as of right now, we don't know. So I feel you on that. It's a very difficult conversation for sure. It, it's you know it's tough, bro, because you know like I I go back further, man. I've been I've been I've been following. I've been a fan of of the Pelicans since before they were the Pelicans and they were the Hornets, brother. And they and they arrived. I was still living living in the city, and. Like you can't beat a you know the first first dude that was gone was Baron Davis right and at the time like Baron Davis was a higher level he was he was at worst a star in the league and after that you know uh, things didn't work out long term with Chris Paul you had to you had to trade Chris Paul then things don't work out with Anthony Davis you got to trade Anthony Davis if you you can't beat a franchise that um, things just happen to go wrong and not work out. Um, with things like that, I feel like we're we're in your control. You know, you know, we talk about small market teams, but everybody don't have. You know, it, it's it's hard to have if you got Chris Paul, Anthony Davis, and Zion Williamson on your resume. Within, you know, we're talking, um, you know, I want to say within a fifteen year period. With yeah. a fifteen year period, you have those three guys on your resume, a team of guys that just didn't work out. This wasn't like, um. All the, through all the hate that, you know, that's thrown AD's way and some of it is deserved towards the way that he decided to leave and some of the things he did through, it, through his agency um, and just the whole temperament and kind of aloofness, you know, behind it. But, like, he was right to leave. He was right to want to leave. And that simply wasn't just a, a small market element. That was an organizational thing. That was the way that, the, that, 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 you know, ownership handled things. That was the talent that was, that was put around. Those things, some of the bad decisions that were made, um, and the same to you know respecting Chris Paul. But Zion is a little bit different because Zion since day one has had a, has had to had some growing up to do. But no one's gonna care about that if he's out there playing like you say fifty five games and he's out there playing playing great basketball and the team is winning, or if he's in another jersey and he's playing well. Whether he figured it out on his own or some other team helped him, the narrative is gonna be that the Pelicans failed. That's yeah. a hard thing to come back from. I don't care how good Brandon even plays. If I had to choose between the between the two, I would rather it be Brandon. The man, you know, the man that parts of leadership that I know that that I know about him, what he's done since he's been in New Orleans, and what I think he can be going forward. The relationship that he has with his players, how work, how hard he works. 
I would the man in me wants to pick Brandon. But I feel it. It has to be Zion. You have to you have to invest in Zion because you can't be the one you can't watch him walk out the door and go into greater passions like you have with other guys, man. The Pel- New Orleans, the Pelicans can't afford that failure on their resume as well. Better for worse, I think they're they're tied with Zion unless he comes out and demands a trade out in New Orleans. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I want to transition from these guys to, you know, obviously the rest of your team because there are some other holes to, I, I would say, talk about. I kind of want to ask you your thoughts about C.J. McCollum. I say this because as someone that has watched this team with Drew Holiday where it was more so point Zion and seeing the impact that C.J. had last year compared to this year, I feel up and down with it, right? Because I've seen C.J., a lot on the trailblazers so i thought after he got traded okay he's gonna be this guy that handles pace provides spacing this team needed a guy that could consistently space from you know far and also create from the perimeter i thought cj fit that mode pretty well but i always said coming in okay zion cj brandon ingram herb jones you probably close with maybe larry nance that's fine but CJ McCollum defensively is not great. And more than anything, I always question, is he really a point guard? I never thought he was. I still to this day believe he's more suited as a two guard than your point guard. And I feel like in this season, especially in the games at the end of the season in the play-in, you kind of saw those things get exposed in terms of him not making the best decisions with the ball in his hands at some points. I feel like sometimes he'd be prone to shooting a lot of shots and not necessarily creating things, but I think it's hard when you're playing with Brandon Ingram and Zion. I feel like it, his role from a night-to-night basis isn't always defined. What did you think of C.J. McCollum this year? Man, you know, it, it has some frustrating elements, but man, you know, throughout the year and even when the year was over, it was hard to blame him. You know, when you when you take into account that he played through um, a torn labrum and um, poor ligament in his shooting, you know, in his shooting thumb, and played, I think, seventy five games at the age of thirty thirty one, and with those two injuries, I'll play. I think he played more games by himself than Zion and Brandon played combined. I think he did. So, you know, like, and he had messed up his shoulder and his thumb month and a half, I think, before the season ended. So, while, yeah, he took some shots that I didn't agree with. Even, you know, we, you know, we had the chance to have him in um, in the spaces we did with Larry Nash. And I got another one upcoming with Larry. See, and one of the fans even, you know, even asked him on Twitter, like, you know, during the spaces, like, yo, bro, why you shoot so much? Why you don't pass? That was literally the, that was literally the question. Like, yo, like, why? What's stopping you from having ten assists? And it, you know, he answered it without throwing his guys under the bus the best that he could. But basically, what you know, what, what he said was honest. Like, yo, we got to be healthy. If you want me to average, if you want me to average more assists. If you want more, um, if, if if you want me to be more of a point guard consistently and look i mean he's still average man for for what he was dealing with and everything some of the wild performances i mean he he's still average close to 21 points a game i think he averaged five rebounds close to six assists he had a good year he had a good year um 
but he was brought into New Orleans to be a third option. And for the first time in his career, the point guard thing was one thing. But once Zion goes out completely for the year, all that goes out the window because now it's up to him. It's up to Brandon and CJ. And we didn't see Trey Murphy really come into the fold and really be unleashed and be out there for heavy, heavy minutes. Until later in the season. Until later in the year. So, you know, Jonas was having some struggles and they weren't, you know, um, empowering him offensively like they were in his first in Jonas's first season in New Orleans. It was it was it was interesting, man. Like other guys were getting involved, you know, um, Jose Alvarado had a lot of power with the basketball. So did Najee Marshall as he started to play well. It just, it, it, it was odd, man. So, um, I think they earned the right, man, in this league, even for a dude that hasn't made, um, you know, that hasn't made an all-star team, his playoff resume, what he's done in the league, you know, consistently making the playoffs however many years, I think, in a row since he started, made the NBA. Averaging 20 points a game so many years in a row, he earned the right to come in and say, even playing next to Brandon Ingram, who is ultimately a better player, in my opinion, he earned the right to say, injury or not, whatever the case, you know, with doing whatever, bad shot or not, I earned the right to do these things. I am of this caliber as well. It just didn't work out night to night. Yeah, the defensive deficiencies are what they are in his size, but he played some of the best defense statistically and analytically of his career. Gave me everything he had. I can't, all in all, playing so many games without Brandon and Zion, or one of them. Playing what he played through, I can't doubt the man. I think he's going, I mean, and he's a dude that I think is going to have a hell of a year. And, bro, in the midst of all this, he was negotiating a lot. I mean, he was negotiating a damn collective bargaining agreement. He was doing that too, Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, I mean, when he first, you know, he... Moving, moved his family, had a new, had a newborn when he first got to New Orleans, uh, you know, a couple years ago. Like, you know, I don't like making excuses for everybody, man. And that doesn't mean that, you know, CJ, that there's a certain things in his shot palette and certain time and situational things that you rather him not do. It's hard for me to knock it because I think he earned it and he gave you every single thing he had. When a lot of dudes, and maybe some of those currently on the roster, would have set out for it. Yeah, yes. Yes, I can't. Listen, I can't say you're wrong. And I'll say this. I love what you just said because that ties to the perspective of basketball those people don't care about. The human side of, like, what these players are going through on the night in and, sure, the day-to-day. Because, to be fair to him, as you said, he played 75 games. And I always felt like his role was super inconsistent obviously maybe things look look uh way different with zion and bi there on the floor but i do just want to say long term even on paper for me i think what this pelican team needs to focus on is an emphasis on size skill and defense and i feel like with cj mccullum it felt kind of redundant in terms of yes you are a phenomenal scorer yes you are a terrific spacer but it felt like the biggest thing that he contributed more than anything else was the leadership off the court. Because I'll give him that. As a veteran player, he was able to do that. But on the court, I still question, do you want to have these three on the court at the same time? Is that like like a necessary thing that's best for the team moving forward? Because I personally believe that if you found another interchangeable wing that could play high-level defense, that's probably better. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I mean, it's you know, what becomes tough sometimes is that like 
got to give Ho Jose Alvarado and, and the numbers and analytics love love Jose Alvarado and the eye test in regards to the energy. Think about this, man. He's the only true point guard on the team. Like, you know, I know Dyson Daniels was drafted, you know, in some respects to play that role eventually down the line. And you have Zion who um, can, you know, is a hell of a passer for his size. And Brandon is arguably the best wing passer in basketball, not including LeBron James. Um, or depending on how you how you uh, define Luka Doncic and company, like he, he he's one of the best at that at that size at that position. Like the numbers support that as well. Um, I it, it's tough to have closing lineups needing Jose Alvarado. He's the only point guard on the team. The only true guy that's just really out there to get others involved, make a few shots every every now and then, and defend. At the same time, he's also small. So you get into these setups where you're running. Of course, it sometimes are T.J. McCullum and Jose Alvarado based that yep. against against the bigger, you know, you know, the good teams, specifically in the Western Conference, they have so many bigger guards. They're outmatched physically. You get caught in, you know, you, you get caught in screens. You get caught up in, in you know, in, in bigger wings taking advantage. You don't have a switchy big that can, you know, that can hedge and, um, and, protect the rim you don't have any rim protectors right now to be honest so puts everybody in a tough spot but um i think ultimately yeah you would like i would like a bigger wing they could do a little bit of everything kind of glue guy-ish um but not get in the way of zion and brandon but if you're only getting them 49 or 20 you know in 30 games a year then you can't afford to do it. You need another yeah. guy that can go out there and carry the offense for 40 games or 50 games out of the year because you are you don't know what you're getting out of your one and two. And that's where it becomes difficult. There is a way that you know you're getting your you know you're getting quality minutes out of them and you can find a way to get Brandon and Zion clicking together on the floor. Well now your lineups become a lot a lot more a lot easier to figure out because okay you know you're closing with trey murphy you know you're probably closing with herb jones if brandon zion um are 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 out there and you got cj in some lineups that that can be your closing five your five can be brandon uh uh trey murphy zion cj mccullum and herb jones depending on the matchup or if you remove trey and you're putting Larry Nance out there, or you remove Herb and put Larry or Jonas if it's a you know a traditional big, whatever the case may be, or design at the five, you have a lot more options than having to run out T.J. McCullum and Jose Alvarado just because you need that level of creativity right. or that organi organizational skill, and that hurts T.J. being having to be the off guard, running off screens, doing things that his age he doesn't he doesn't want to do his body really ain't made for. I don't care how you know how much he makes up for it. It's tough, man. But, you know, the toughest dilemma in the C.J. McCollum question is that, man, he's he's a professional, man. You know, he's going to show he us is. the work. And, you know, having that dude that's going to clock in that you know what you're getting every night, for better or for worse, when, with this franchise right now, with the question marks about both of your top two talents, hard, even with his physical limitations and some of the things that people don't like, hard to kind of move away from that. Wouldn't be having this discussion if you knew Brandon and Zion were going to play a certain amount of games together. If you knew you got sixty games at least out of them, this question 
you know, the answer to this question will be a lot easier, and we will be talking about where TJ McCollum best fits elsewhere. He might not even be a fucking Pelican, to be honest. Yeah, like, right. I mean, but, you know, it just, I mean, he's, he's what you have to deal with. Those that aren't a fan of TJ's game or his fit, you have to, he's a necessary evil until Brandon and T, I mean, Brandon and Zion and figure out how to play games together and get the best out of, out of themselves as a duo. And like th that, that is why the first thing I came to you with were those two, because again, I agree. Like I said, it last year is going to be the same thing this year. I'm, I, I don't care about nothing. Like, like, listen, I respect all the young players, Dyson, the sharp shooter you guys just drafted, all of the other players. I respect all of that. But at the end of the day, the future of this franchise is dependent on answering the question between those two players. And that's going to dictate a lot of everything else. I feel like once that answer is found, the results for everything else is going to trickle down to everywhere else. Like, I can't even say Herb Jones really developing his three, how impactful that'll be if I don't know what I'm getting, as you said, for my one and my two right because i sorry i do believe if herb can get the three ball going on paper right but if if herb gets it going with trey murphy zion and ingram that size and length galore and athleticism galore in those four specifically and then the five you can basically interchange in my opinion like if these guys really get it going we know trey murphy can space we know tj can space but if herb can just get that consistent knockdown corner three if he can get his pj tucker on that's a different team i really do feel that way but it's just hard it's a very hard and rough season but we do have to come up to this point for you chris specifically you i'm asking you what are your honest expectations for the pelicans for the 2024 season i think i think the pelicans are playoff team but where exactly they fall in the western conference will be back to what number one and number 14 does in regards to being on the floor they have enough time together i think that they will figure it out you know they went out and got james borrego to add um um to the coaching staff to kind of help run the offense i he's going to help um simplify a lot of things that are going to make things a lot easier you know maybe a more modern um, I mean, Pelicans sometimes, man, I mean, they had so many games last season um, where they just weren't playing a modern style, just low-scoring games, just not scoring enough offense. They were 29th and three-pointers attempted. Like, they, they need to improve there, and I think Borrego would help, will help with that. I think Trey Murphy, man, I mean, he's been the summer darling for a lot of different outlets and, you know, place people think that he has, you know, uh, he can really break out. Um Again, man, it's like, you know, Denver Denver's a really good example, man. Like, you know, Jokic, Jokic played great this, you know, this year. He played great in the playoffs. The key for that team, they don't go, they don't go that far without Jamal Murray being healthy this year. He's the difference, right? There's other guys that stepped up, um, other other talents that are there, Michael Porter Jr., other people that you had to worry about, Bruce Brown and glue guys across the board. Like, but there's no point of talking about Herb Jones, respectively. Or even to some respects, Trey Murphy, because all they're doing is holding water for the number two guys being there. The yes. Clippers have been, the Clippers, Ty Luke can coach his ass off, and the Clippers can continue to add depth and add Russell Westbrook and Norman Powell one year, then Nicholas Batum and Bones Highland, 
and they get all of these different talented guys and you know they'll they'll get oh one one morris brother and like they continue to find ways to add talent on their team but it will not matter if Kawhi leonard and paul george are not healthy on the floor that's just that's just how it how it goes man so i think this is a playoff team i think that they're they still have some parts that i would have that i would have um added to i think that you know i don't think they have enough you know rim protection the jackson hayes thing was an experiment and, and seeing him going off to be you know in a laker is going to be interesting I really wish I even though turner man and i mean a, a lot of people felt like that would have been a fit but jackson you know jackson had the athleticism to to be that kind of guy but he never panned out physically and on the floor but larry nance does a lot of the things that you want from a from a communication standpoint and from being always being in the right spots making the right play talking to everybody um being able to switch um and defend multiple positions but he breaks down being a dude that's six seven and 220 pounds not Milton not meant to really play heavy minutes over an 82 game season it just doesn't work year after year he's hurt Jonas has athleticism um you know uh deficiencies that he can't do anything about that gets him in trouble and then you know they brought in Cody Zeller so you know what this tells me is that once again you would ideally like to have lineups closing with Zion or closing with you know with Herb at the five or being more flexible if you can and regardless of who's closing at center it won't matter if Zion and Brandon are healthy if they're healthy we'll, we'll be talking less about the center position or other or, or even their issues shooting those are things that they'll be able to possibly take care of and buy cheap at the at the deadline whether they play Jordan Hawkins or not or whether Najee gets better or what I love a lot of these guys. I'm a big Trey Murphy fan. I think CJ will be will be awesome. It's so hard to project what this team will do, and um, until you get enough games out of number one and number two, I think the roster is better than some will get the credit for. I still, I, I it, it, they could have made a different move here, here or there. I'm not. Um, I think Dyson Daniels will figure it out, and he will be fine. I like Jose. Like I like a lot of things about this team, man. There's some dudes that can really take their game to a to to a level that people don't believe that they can next season i think the parts for the most part are there i really do but question has been what it's been since pretty much day one of brandon ingram kind of breaking out ion and bi and we see it then once we see it can it work hey man i mean it's when i say this man the pelicans might be the biggest dark horse team in the nba because you don't know the fluctuation like i could easily see a scenario where they shock everyone and they're like this top four top five seed based on zion and ingram being healthy and they make this like surprising run like i can see their story being similar to the kings which a lot of people they thought the kings were going to be like bad like like trash yeah. and they literally finished top three and almost beat my team to go to state warriors in seven games it almost happened right yeah. like that's the story that can happen for this team. And it's crazy because a big part of why I'm doing these podcasts where like I'm going through all 30 teams is me personally, I'm trying to like focus on the details for every team. Because when the next yeah. season ultimately hits, we're going to be talking about, okay, damn, what was the talks about these teams in the offseason? The Pelicans and the Mavericks to me are two teams that we just don't do not know what's gonna happen based off the health and their roster because their front line might not be that strong, but the high-end talent is so talented, it can outweigh that and outmatch that. So 
I'm with you, Chris. Yeah, bro. I mean, yeah, and, and see that like that's what makes it hard. I mean, you know, you kind of gotta settle in a lot of different ways for um what you think that this team is gonna do because like you gotta find a happy medium because they're so hard to predict. They they either can be a team that figures it all out and clicks, like you said, you know, the Kings they could possibly be better than the Kings. They were on trajectory to win fifty games last season, fifty plus. Yes. So you could be looking at a situation where they're as good as any team in the West, and they play good against the top teams in the West. If they're healthy, I, I, I really believe this from a talent perspective, and if they play their cards right night to night with some of the guys they have on the roster, they're as good as they can compete with any team in the West, and that's including Phoenix, including Golden State, including Denver. I really believe that night to night, they have enough talent, top-end talent, to compete with any of those teams. And some of those guys have been... They've they, they, they've been around each other, you know, enough. They finally gotten, you know, a coach here for going on his third year, and some players that are having three and four years of playing experience next to each other, you know, so on and so forth. So there's a level of chemistry there that's built just based off a of person just being around each other. It hasn't contributed to the floor consistently, and I mean, you know, that's the thing, bro. They could, if if all breaks right. They can win 50-plus games, I think, easily. I mean, seriously, over over 82 games, if if all breaks right. But if it doesn't, and you're looking at another year, they're going to be struggling somewhere around 500. Or maybe it just completely bottoms out, and none of it matters, and they're, and they're back in, they're back 100% in the lottery. Right. It happens. You, you, you don't know which route it will go they're completely they're one of the toughest teams i think in the league to predict because their ceiling is so high but because of their injury history and maybe some big questions yeah the floor is oh it's you know what i mean yeah man hey i chris first off i want to say i appreciate you coming on the show man for me man i've been using this offseason as a creator to really tap in and watch a lot of basketball i need you to understand like i I rock with the Pelicans tough. I'm telling you, when Lonzo got traded, I'm like, oh my God, Lonzo and Zion, I watched all their games in college. I feel like their games perfectly complemented each other. And I'm sitting here watching every game, like what Zion is doing is just unspeakable. And he was playing a high amount of games that one year, then the bubble hits and then all this other stuff happens. But that was his like health, uh, healthiest season. And everyone said, he can't do this in high school. He does it in high school. He can't do this in college. He does it in college. Okay, he for sure cannot be this way. They're gassing him in the NBA. Then he does it in the NBA the first year. He wasn't really healthy like that. That's fine. But then the second year, which is the bubble year, he's, he's dominating again. It feels like whenever he's on the floor, he's that guy. But we have to see him on the floor. So I appreciate uh, having you on the show here to break down your team in the New Orleans Pelicans. Can you let the people know where they can find you and support you, brother? Yeah, man. Um, you you can um, find me on on Twitter at Impatient Bull. Um, everything's lowercase. I, I, I got to slowly, I have a show on YouTube called In Space with Chris Conner, um, where, you know, I talk about a lot of different things, a lot of different scenarios with the team, and sometimes have special guests from the organization. We got a big time, I, I, I've had Larry Nance uh, on my, on the Twitter spaces that have, that transfer all over to the YouTube channel with uh, Buku Media, that, um, We've done twice. We got a we have a third one that's coming up a couple weeks a couple weeks from now. I think mid September is the last one we had. 
AJ McCollum and Trey Murphy both popped up. That was really cool. And I, who knows who popped up for this one. So, yeah, man, appreciate the support. Appreciate being on the platform, bro. You know your stuff. Like, uh, it's, it's rare to talk to somebody that really knows what they're talking about with the, with the Pelicans. You know, you did your research, man. So dope, man. I was happy to be on. Yeah, man. I love basketball, and I aim to, like, keep emphasizing these every offseason. I definitely want to tap in with you more in terms of, like, spaces and, and more things during the regular season as well. I believe in talking about what I know, and if I don't know something, I'm going to ask you. I don't got no pride in this. I would rather talk basketball the proper way than do all, like, the trolling bullshit that we see on Twitter because I'm a Twitter head, too, so I know how it gets, you know, every now and then, but... Make sure to go support Chris. His links and all of that will be in the description and the comment section below. You can find this podcast on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify at Gifted Hoops. We're almost halfway through the entirety of the 30 teams in the league. Chris, I appreciate you having you on. Peace out, people. I'll catch y'all next week for the next Gifted Hoops upload. Peace out, people.